0: Act five of *She Stoops to Conquer*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *She Stoops to Conquer* by Oliver Goldsmith. Act the fifth. Scene continued. Enter Hastings and servant.
1: You saw the old lady and Miss Neville drive off, you say? Yes, your honour. They went off
2: in a post coach, and the young squire went on horseback. They're thirty miles off by this time
1: then all my hopes are over
2: yes sir old sir charles has arrived he and the old gentleman of the house have been laughing at mr marlowe's mistake this half hour
1: they are coming this way then i must not be seen so now to my fruitless appointment at the bottom of the garden this is about the time exit enter
0: sir charles and hardcastle (laughs) ha
3: ha 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 the peremptory tone in which he set forth his sublime commands and the reserve which I suppose he treated all your advances. And yet he might have seen something in me above a common innkeeper, too.
4: Yes, Dick, but he mistook you for an uncommon innkeeper.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm in too good spirits to think of anything but joy. Yes, my dear friend, this union of our families will make our personal friendships hereditary. And though my daughter's fortune is but small— Why, Dick— Will you talk of fortune
4: to me? My son is possessed of more than a competence already, and can want nothing but a good and virtuous girl to share his happiness and increase
3: it. If they like each other, as you say they do, if man, I tell you they do like each other. My daughter as good as told me so. But girls are apt to flatter themselves, you know. I saw him grasp her hand in the warmest manner myself. And here he comes to put you out of your ifs, I warrant him, enter Marlowe,
5: I come, sir, once more to ask pardon for my strange conduct.
3: I can scarce reflect on my insolence without confusion. that boy, a trifle you take it too gravely. An hour or two's laughing with my daughter will set all to rights again. She'll never like you the worse for it, sir. I shall be always proud of her approbation approbation is a cold word mr marlowe if i'm not deceived you have something more than approbation thereabouts you take me really sir i have not that happiness come boy i am an old fellow and know what's what as well as you that are younger i know what has passed between you but mum sure sir nothing has passed
5: between us but the most profound respect on my side and the most distant reserve us. you don't think sir that my impudence has been passed upon all the rest of the
3: family impudence no i don't say that not quite impudence though girls like to be played with and rumpled a little too sometimes but she has told no tales i assure you i never gave her a slightest cause well well i like modesty in its place well enough but this is overacting, young gentleman you may be open your father and i will like you all the better for it may i die sir if i ever-i tell you she don't dislike you and as i'm sure you like her dear sir i protest sir i see no reason why you should not be joined as fast as the parson can tie you but hear me sir your father approves the match i admire it every moment's delay will be doing mischief so- but why won't you hear me by all that's
5: just and true i never gave miss Hardcastle the slightest mark of my attachment or even the most distant hint to suspect me of affection we had but one interview
3: and that was formal modest and uninteresting
0: aside
3: this fellow's formal modest impudence is beyond bearing and
4: you never grasped her hand or made any protestations
5: As heaven is my witness, I came down in obedience to your commands. I saw the lady without emotion, and parted without reluctance. I hope you will exact no further proofs of my duty, nor prevent me from leaving a house in which I suffer so many mortifications.
4: Exit. I am astonished at the air of sincerity with which he parted.
3: And I am astonished at the deliberate intrepidity of his assurance.
4: I dare pledge my life and honour upon his truth. Here comes
3: my daughter, and I would stake my happiness upon her veracity.
0: Enter Miss Hardcastle.
3: Kate, come hither, child. Answer us sincerely and without reserve. Has Mr. Marlowe made you any professions of love and affection?
6: The question is very abrupt, sir. But since you require unreserved sincerity, I think he has.
4: To Sir Charles. You see? And pray, madam have you and my son had more than one interview
6: yes sir several
4: to sir charles you see but did he profess any attachment
6: a lasting one
4: did he talk of love
6: much sir
4: amazing and
3: all this formally formally oh, my friend i hope you are satisfied and how did he behave madam
6: as most professed admirers do said some civil things of my face, talked much of his want of merit, and the greatness of mine, mentioned his heart, gave a short tragedy speech, and ended with pretended rapture.
4: Now I am perfectly convinced indeed. I know his conversation among women to be modest and submissive. This forward-canting, ranting manner by no means describes him, and I am confident he never sat for the picture.
6: Then what, sir, if I should convince you to your face of my sincerity? If you and my papa, in about half an hour, will place yourselves behind that screen, you shall hear him declare his passion to me in person.
4: Agreed. And if I find him what you describe, all my happiness in him must have an end.
6: Exit. And if you don't find him what I describe, I fear my happiness must never have a beginning. Exit
0: scene changes to the back of the garden enter hastings
1: what an idiot am i to wait here for a fellow who probably takes delight in mortifying me he never intended to be punctual and i'll wait no longer what do i see it is he and perhaps with news of my constance enter tony booted and spattered my honest squire i now find you a man of your word this looks like friendship hi i'm your friend "'and the best friend you have in the world, if
7: you knew but all. "'This riding by night, by the by, is cursedly tiresome. "'It has shook me worse than the basket of a stagecoach.'
1: "'But how? Where did you leave your fellow travellers? "'Are they in safety? Are they housed?' Five and twenty
7: miles in two hours and a half is not such bad driving. "'The poor beasts have smoked for it.
1: "'Rabbit
7: me, but I'd rather ride forty miles after a fox than ten with such a varmint.'
1: "'Well, but where have you left the ladies?' I die with impatience. Left them? Why, where should I leave them but where I found them? This is a riddle. Riddle me this, then.
7: What goes round the house, and round the house, and never touches the house? I'm still astray. Why, that's it, mon. I have led them astray. By jingo, there's not a pond or a slope within five miles of the place, but they can tell the taste of.
1: (laughs) I understand. You took them in a round while they supposed themselves going forward. And so you have at last brought them home again. You shall hear.
7: I first took them down Featherbed Lane, where we stuck fast in the mud. I then rattled them crack over the stones of Up and Down Hill. I then introduced them to the gibbet on Heavy Tree Heath. And from that, with a Circumbendibus, I fairly lodged them in a horse pond at the bottom of the garden. But no accident, I hope. Oh, no! Only mother is confoundedly frightened. She thinks herself forty miles off. She's sick of the journey, and the cattle can scarce crawl. So, if your own horses be ready, you may whip off with cousin, and I'll be bound that no soul here can budge a foot
1: to follow you. My dear friend, how can I be grateful?
7: Ay, now it's dear friend, noble squire. Just now it was all idiot, cub, and run me through the guts. Damn your way of fighting, I say. After we take a knock in this part of the country, we kiss and me friends. But if you had run me through the guts, then I should
1: be dead, and you might go kiss the hangman. The rebuke is just, but I must hasten to relieve Miss Neville. If you keep the old lady employed, I promise to take care of the young one. Exit Hastings. Never fear me. Here she comes.
7: Vanish. She's got from the pond, and draggled up to the waist like a mermaid.
0: Enter Mrs. Hardcastle. Oh, Tony, I'm killed.
2: Shook battered to death. I shall never survive it. That last jolt that laid us against a quickset hedge has done my
7: business. Alack, Mama, it was all your own fault. You would be for running away by night, without knowing one inch of the way.
2: I wish we were at
7: home again.
2: I never met so many accidents in so short a journey. Drenched in the mud, overturned in a ditch stuck fast in a slough jolted to a jelly and at last to lose our way whereabouts
7: do you think we are tony by my guess we should have come upon Crackskull common about forty miles from home
2: oh lud oh lud the most notorious spot in all the country we only want a robbery to make a complete night on't
7: don't be afraid mamma don't be afraid two of the five that kept here are hanged and the other three may not find us don't be afraid is that a man that's galloping behind us Uh, no no it's it's only a tree don't be afraid the fright will certainly kill me do you see anything like a black hat moving behind the thicket oh death no it's only a cow don't be afraid mamma don't be afraid
2: as i'm alive tony i see a man coming towards us Ah, i'm sure aunt if he perceives us we are undone
7: aside father-in-law by all that's unlucky come to take one of his night walks to her ah it's a highwayman with pistols as long as my arm a damned ill-looking fellow good heaven defend us he approaches do you hide yourself in that thicket and leave me to manage him if there be any danger i'll cough and cry ahem when i cough Be sure to keep close.
0: Mrs. Hardcastle hides behind a tree in the back scene. Enter Hardcastle.
3: I'm mistaken, or I heard voices of people in want of help. Oh, Tony, is that you? I did not expect you so soon back. Are your mother and her charge in safety? Very
7: safe, sir. At my Aunt Pedigree's. Ahem.
0: From behind.
2: Ah, death, I find there's danger
3: forty miles in three hours sure that's too much my youngster stout horses and willing minds make short journeys as they say ahem
0: from behind sure he'll do the dear boy no harm
3: but i heard a voice here i should be glad to know from whence it came it
7: was i sir talking to myself sir i was saying that forty miles in four hours was very good going (laughs) "'As to be sure it was.' <coughs> "'I have got a sort of cold by being out in the air. "'We'll go in, if you
3: please.' <coughs> "'But if you talk to yourself, you did not answer yourself. "'I'm certain I heard two voices, and am resolved to find the other out.'
0: "'From behind.'
2: "'Oh, he's coming to find me out.
7: Oh!' "'What need you go, sir, if I tell you?' <coughs> "'I'll lay down my life for the truth.'
3: i'll tell you all sir detaining him i tell you i will not be detained i insist on seeing it's in vain to expect i'll believe you
2: oh lad he'll murder my poor boy my darling
0: running forward from behind
2: here good gentleman wet your rage upon me take my money my life but spare that young gentleman spare my child if you have any mercy
3: my wife as i am a christian from whence can she come oh what does she mean
2: take compassion on us good mr highwayman kneeling take our money our watches all we have but spare our lives we will never bring you to justice indeed we won't good mr highwayman
3: i believe the woman's out of her senses what dorothy don't you know me
2: mr hartcastle as i'm alive my fears blinded me but who my dear could have expected to meet you here in this frightful place so far from home what has brought you to follow us
3: surely dorothy you have not lost your wits so far from a home when you are within the forty yards of your own door to him this is one of your old tricks you graceless rogue you to her don't you know the gates and the mulberry tree and don't you remember the horse-pond, my dear?
2: Yes, I shall remember the horse-pond as long as I live. I have caught my death in it. To Tony. And it is to you, you graceless varlet, I owe all this. I'll teach you to abuse your mother, I will.
7: Ecod, mother, all the parish says you have spoiled me, and so you may take the
3: fruits o
0: I'll spoil you, I will follows him off the stage exit
3: there's morality however in his reply
0: exit enter hastings and miss neville
1: my dear constance why will you deliberate thus if we delay a moment all is lost for ever pluck up a little resolution and we shall soon be out of reach of her malignity
8: i find it impossible my spirits are so sunk in the agitations i have suffered that i am unable to face any new danger two or three years of patience will at last crown us with happiness
1: such a tedious delay is worse than inconstancy let us fly my charmer let us date our happiness from this very moment perish fortune love and content will increase what we possess beyond a monarch's revenue let me prevail
8: no mr hastings no prudence once more comes to my relief and i will obey its dictates in the moment of passion fortune may be despised but it ever produces a lasting repentance i am resolved to apply to mr hardcastle's compassion and justice for redress
1: but though he had the will he has not the power to relieve you
8: but he has influence and upon that i am resolved to rely
1: i have no hopes but since you persist i must reluctantly obey you scene
0: changes enter sir charles and miss hardcastle
4: what a situation i am in If what you say appears, I shall then find a guilty son. If what he says to be true, then I shall lose one that, of all others, I most wished for a daughter.
6: I am proud of your approbation, and to show I merit it, if you place yourselves as I directed, you shall hear his explicit declaration. But he comes.
4: I'll to your father, and keep him to the appointment.
0: Exit Sir Charles. Enter Marlowe.
5: Though prepared for setting out, i come once more to take leave nor did i till this moment know the pain i feel in the separation
0: in her own natural manner
6: i believe sufferings cannot be very great sir which you can so easily remove a day or two longer perhaps might lessen your uneasiness by showing the little value of what you now think proper to regret aside
5: this girl every moment improves upon me to her it must not be madam i have already trifled too long with my heart my very pride begins to submit to my passion the disparity of education and fortune the anger of a parent and the contempt of my equals begin to lose their weight and nothing can restore me to myself but this painful effort of resolution
6: then go sir i'll urge nothing more to detain you though my family be as good as hers you came down to visit and my education i hope not inferior what are these advantages without equal affluence i must remain contented with the slight approbation of imputed merit i must have only the mockery of your addresses while all your serious aims are fixed on fortune
0: enter hardcastle and sir charles from behind
3: here behind this screen ay ay make no noise i'll engage my case covers him with confusion at last
5: by heavens madam Fortune was ever my smallest consideration. Your beauty at first caught my eye, for who could see that without emotion? But every moment that I converse with you steals in some new grace, heightens the picture, and gives it a stronger expression. What at first seemed rustic plainness now appears refined simplicity. What seemed forward assurance now strikes me as the result of courageous innocence and conscious virtue. What can it mean? He amazes me
3: i told you how it would be hush
5: i am now determined to stay madam and i have too good an opinion of my father's discernment when he sees you to doubt his approbation
6: no mr marlowe i will not cannot detain you do you think i could suffer a connection in which there is the smallest room for repentance do you think i would take the mean advantage of a transient passion to load you with confusion do you think I could ever relish that happiness which was acquired by lessening yours
5: by all that's good i can have no happiness but what's in your power to grant me nor shall i ever feel repentance but in not having seen your merits before i will stay even contrary to your wishes and though you should persist to shun me i will make my respectful assiduities atone for the levity of my past conduct
6: sir i must entreat you to desist AS OUR ACQUAINTANCE BEGAN, SO LET IT END, IN INDIFFERENCE. I MIGHT HAVE GIVEN AN HOUR OR TWO TO LEVITY, BUT SERIOUSLY, MR. Marlowe, DO YOU THINK I COULD EVER SUBMIT TO A CONNECTION WHERE I MUST APPEAR MERCENARY AND YOU IMPRUDENT? DO YOU THINK I COULD EVER CATCH AT THE CONFIDENT ADDRESSES OF A SECURE ADMIRER?
5: DOES THIS LOOK LIKE SECURITY? Kneeling. DOES THIS LOOK LIKE CONFIDENCE? NO, MADAM, EVERY MOMENT THAT SHOWS ME YOUR MERIT, Only serves to increase my diffidence and confusion. Here, let me continue.
4: I can hold it no longer.
5: Charles,
4: Charles, how hast thou deceived me? Is this your
3: indifference, your uninteresting conversation? Your cold contempt, your formal interview. What have you to say now? That I am all amazement. What can it mean? It means that you can say and unsay things at pleasure that you can address a lady in private and deny it in public that you have one story for us and another for my daughter daughter this lady your daughter yes sir my only daughter my kate whose else should she be who the devil
6: yes sir that very identical tall squinting lady you were pleased to take me for she that you addressed as the mild modest sentimental man of gravity and the bold forward agreeable rattle of the ladies club
5: (laughs) zounds there is no bearing this it's worse than death
6: in which of your characters sir will you give us leave to address you as the faltering gentleman with looks on the ground that speaks just to be heard and hates hypocrisy or the loud confident creature that keeps it up with mrs mantrap and old miss biddy buckskin till three in the morning
5: (laughs) oh curse on my noisy head i never attempted to be impudent yet that i was not taken down i must be gone
3: by the hand of my body but you shall not i see it was all a mistake and i am rejoiced to find it you shall not sir i tell you i know she'll forgive you won't you forgive him kate we'll all forgive you take courage man
0: they retire she tormenting him to the back scene enter mrs hardcastle and tony so so they're gone off let them go i care not
3: who gone
2: my dutiful niece and her gentleman mr hastings from town he who came down with our modest visitor here
4: Who? by honest george hastings as worthy a fellow as lives and the girl could not have made a more prudent choice
3: then by the hand of my body i'm proud of the connection
2: well if he has taken away the lady he has not taken her fortune that remains in this family to console us for her loss
3: sure dorothy you would not be so mercenary
2: ay that's my affair not yours
3: but you know if your son when of age refuses to marry his cousin her whole fortune is then at her own disposal
2: i but he's not of age and she has not thought proper to wait
0: for his refusal enter hastings and miss neville aside
2: what return so soon i begin
0: not to like it to hardcastle
1: for my late attempt to fly off with your niece let my present confusion be my punishment we are now come back to appeal from your justice to your humanity by her father's consent i first paid her my addresses and our passions were first founded in duty since his death
8: i have been obliged to stoop to dissimulation to avoid oppression in an hour of levity i am ready to give up my fortune to secure my choice but i am now recovered from the delusion And I hope your tenderness what is denied to me from a nearer connexion.
2: Pshaw, pshaw, this is all but the whining end of a modern novel.
3: Be it what it will, I'm glad they are come back to reclaim their due. Come hither, Tony, boy. Do you refuse this lady's hand whom I now offer you?
7: What signifies my refusing? You know I can't refuse her till I'm of age, Father.
3: While I thought concealing your age, boy, was likely to conduce to your improvement, I concurred with your mother's desire to keep it secret. But since I find she turns it to a wrong use, I must now declare you have been of age these three months.
7: Of age? Am I of age, father? Above three months. Then you'll see the first use I'll make of my liberty.
0: Taking Miss Neville's Hand
7: Witness all men by these presents, that I, Anthony Lumpkin, Esquire, of Blank Place, refuse you, Constantia Neville, Spinster, of no place at all, for my true and lawful wife. So Constance Neville may marry whom she pleases, and Tony Lumpkin is his own man again.
5: Oh brave squire, my worthy friend
1: My
2: undutiful offspring.
5: Joy, my dear George, I give you joy sincerely and could i prevail upon my little tyrant here to be less arbitrary i should be the happiest man alive if you would return me the favour
0: to miss hardcastle
1: come madam you are now driven to the very last scene of all your contrivances i know you like him i'm sure he loves you and you must and
3: shall have him and i say so too and mr marlowe if she makes as good a wife as she has a daughter I don't believe you'll ever repent your bargain. So, now to supper. To-morrow we shall gather all the poor of the parish about us, and the mistakes of the night shall be crowned with a merry morning. So, boy, take her. And as you have been mistaken in the mistress, my wish is that you may never be mistaken in the wife.
0: Exeunt Omnis End of Act 5 This concludes She Stoops to Conquer, or The Mistakes of a Knight, by Oliver Goldsmith.